welcome to Trinity Talks, the podcast about all things Trinity College Dublin. I'm Tom Malloy, and this week I'm talking to Andrew Burke, the Dean of Trinity's brand new business school, or rather I should say the business school has been around for a long time, but the, uh, the, it has a fantastic new building that, that has opened relatively recently and is kind of the latest uh, important structure to be built on Trinity's campus. Andrew is a fellow of Trinity College Dublin and a member of the board. He's also chairman of the Centre for Research and Self-Employment, a think tank on freelancing. He's a former member of faculty at the Cranfield Business School in the UK, as well as the Warwick Business School, the University of Edinburgh, Balliol College, Oxford, and the University of St. Andrews. He has a special interest in, in small business and freelancing. Welcome, Andrew. Good to meet you, Tom. <laughs> Andrew, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Andrew, let's let's uh, talk a little bit about you before we get into, into the business school. I'm always, uh, as a former business journalist, interested in how people, you know, what path they took, why it is that they they ended up in business. What, what, what's your story? How, how do you, why do you think you've devoted your life to thinking about business, thinking about freelancing and, and building a business school? It's, 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 it's a good question, Tom. I mean, because I think very often when people talk to academics, they assume a very sort of linear progression path is that they, they think of, of people who were very academically focused when they were at school, um, did extremely well in in you know in final high school, go to university and 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 onto academia and, and focus on research and so on. And um, in my case, actually, I, I really only got interested in academia in my uh, early twenties, actually, um, mm. and uh, wasn't really that, that focused on on uh, ac- academic studies. Uh, in, in most of my youth. I mean, I, I grew up in a family that uh, was very entrepreneurial over, over generations. So I remember in my early days being, being uh, in, in, you know, being part of a family that was was reasonably well off. Um, we had a family business uh, and then it was what in was the 1970s. Um, it was uh, a, an antique business. So we, we my parents ran a, an antique shop in, uh, in, uh, in Glastool in, in Dundee right. on the seafront there. And uh, yeah, and then the oil shocks in Ireland went into a, a very severe downturn in the in the 1970s, and basically, um, the the business closed. It the the uh, it uh, and uh, we went from um, it to you know into a very tough uh, financial uh, period in the, in in the family, um, and um, essentially were broke. They didn't the the business didn't go bankrupt, but actually we 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 were. We had no 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 money, and uh, some of my family members had to emigrate. There was um, so very so in in, in certainly in, in two things I took away on 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 the, on the you know at the early stage was was as I say a very kind of entrepreneurial culture. So that's one of my reasons why I've always been interested in, in that. And uh, and then I suppose in a crisis like that, we the I sort of kind of in terms of philosophies in the family, there was always a, a good sense of humour, uh, so people could see the funny side of, of, of things, uh, but also a very much get-on-with-it attitude. So it was a very strong worth ethic, a very strong view that the, of, of, that you're, you know, of self-determination. Uh, I think those are the kind of the core philosophies in the, in the family. And um, so gradually, you know, individually, we all got back on our feet, but certainly when um, you know, when it came to going to university, um, I mean, I, I used to, well, luckily enough, actually, one of my brothers had, um, on the upside then, had, had set up his own business and uh, he ran a, a very successful business up in, in Sandyford and 
industrial estate. I used to drive up there on my motorbike at, uh, in the evenings and I'd work from five in the evening until 11 p.m. at night. And that's essentially what paid, you know, paid, paid my, my university fees and, and so on. And what did you what did you uh, study in university, Andrew? I studied uh, I studied economics and 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 politics. Actually, those are the two two subjects I, I studied. And um, and and I think in my my student years, I um, um, setting up societies. And, and and of course, this was in 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 UCD. It wasn't in in, in Trinity. This and so uh, ended up then being uh, the ENS officer in UCD Students Union and ultimately the president of Students Union. And um, so along the way, it was. That was, was so. I think if you know, if you stopped my life at that point and told me that um, I'd end up in academia and end up being dean of Trinity Business School, I think I would, I would have really struggled at how 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 that transformation would have would have occurred. Yeah. Um, Although it is very interesting, isn't it? The seeds are clearly there. You know, the ENTS officer, the entertainment officer in any student union is probably the most entrepreneurial. It's somebody who has to bargain, has to deal with. Um, pop groups and you know higher acts and that kind of thing higher out halls yeah uh, and also very interesting that you picked economic and politics economics and politics it seems to me because that crash that happened in the 70s it was partly the oil shock as you suggest but it was also a series of catastrophic um political decisions really wasn't it taken by the governments of the time that that made a bad situation even worse and you know had the uh, terrible effects that you just described on your family. So, in a way, the seeds seem to be there, but 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 it obviously wasn't obvious to the to the twenty two year old Andrew Burke. <laughs> so, what happens then? Where, where you 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 kind of you finish you finish in UCD. You've got this kind of experience of wheeling and dealing. Uh, you have a knowledge of economics and an interest in politics and a knowledge of politics. What what was the what was the kind of the the, the thing? Do you think that actually turned you into an academic? Or put you on the path at any rate. I, I was playing in a in a band at the time, and we were getting a bit of airplay. With Dave Fanning played some of our stuff, and um, we we're doing a few gigs. And my, my intention was, I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll give music a shot for a few years, and then what I'll see what I'll do. And then the 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 band basically broke up, and and I had to make a quick decision of what to do. So I decided I'd just simply do a masters, and I did a masters of economics. And it was during that year. Doing the master economics, that I suddenly got, I, I got interested in in the um, in the academic side, and, and and the reason for that is that I think in secondary school and undergraduate, the creative side of learning is very limited, in that you you learn pre, you know, you're given a course, you have to master it, and and you do exams and assignments, etc. But once you get into the master's level, then the research dimension starts to come to life. The questions that don't have answers start to be asked. The what's your view? The the creative side starts to come to life, and that starts to play into my areas of interest because on the entrepreneurship side, that's always the kind of thing that the, the creative creative side was the thing that really interested me in. But making a difference, and so it was during that year that I decided that actually I. Um, actually drew inspiration from from Frank Barry, who, who's now actually now in, in the faculty of the business school. Uh, and he was actually one of my my lectures in in in, uh, in, in on that master's program. And so to go long story short, then I decided to go to I said, OK, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it properly. So I, I figured that I needed to move into the elite uh, universities and I decided to do yet another master's this time in economic history in the, in the London School of Economics. 
And then from there, I did moved to to do a PhD or a doctorate up in in Oxford University. So um, so yeah, I really changed gear completely. I went from a kind of academia being a sideshow to really focusing on it. And uh, um, yeah, so so and and yeah, and again in the in the in the for the masters, I mean, I was skint in London. I mean, I mean, I, I, I did uh, ran four shifts in a bar. I was a research assistant on a Monday, uh, fitted the studies around, um, and then, um, but then when, once I got onto the doctorate level, I had a scholarship at that stage, and uh, things started to, to uh, I, I sort of migrated beyond the, the beyond the, the sardines and rice diet <laughs> to something a bit more balanced. <laughs> and what did you do your yeah. doctorate in? What was well? Was you, 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 you could nearly you could nearly guess it from the from the. I actually did uh, well. The thing at the time was that I um, when I was looking at, um, I mean, my, my field of, of expertise is it was uh, study was on economics, and the one thing that was missing in economics uh, um, at the time, and actually to a, still to a considerable extent, is is the the role of the entrepreneur and all of entrepreneurship and. Economic analysis remarkably starts where firms are assumed to maximize profits and where the technology is given and where consumer preferences are already set. So, I mean, from my perspective, I thought these are all these are all the most important things that businesses need to address that drives performance. And economic analysis only starts after those important things are already in place. So it it, it so I I I, I raised this when I was at Oxford and uh, I remember some of the um, the faculty there saying gosh you know you, you're really trying to bite into a big big topic so uh, eventually they helped me narrow it down to to tackle something a bit uh, a bit more uh, manageable and I ended up doing a a, a PhD on on the econo economics of entrepreneurship in the music industry <laughs> and you can see the uh, the the connections there yeah so a lot of um, interest coming together yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and both were novel because at the time there was very little work on entrepreneurship. It sounds remarkable to say that now, but I mean, I mean, those of us who were starting in that field at the time really were in an evangelical kind of role. We were trying to convince other academics that entrepreneurship was something worth uh, worth studying, worth researching. It sounds amazing to say that now. Of course, now in the meantime, the whole area has burgeoned into a huge, huge, huge area uh, in in academia and of course in life. And in fact. Personally, I think that if back then the, the the challenge was that not enough people were interested in entrepreneurship, and there wasn't, there were probably not enough entrepreneurs. I think now it's almost gone the other extreme: is that there's probably too much interest in entrepreneurship, and probably excessive entrepreneurship at times. And and the, the celebrity, you know, the I don't know what we call it, the celebritization of entrepreneurship, if there is such a word, you know. Um, and and I think that's really where. Um, I think that's where the analysis is, is so so important in terms of of assessing a, a an effective level of entrepreneurship in in an economy because um, we don't want we don't want too much but equally we don't want an economy as was the case when I started out of where there there really wasn't enough entrepreneurship. That's quite a a, a challenging and and an unorthodox kind of idea. I, I, are you saying? Well, as I understand it, you're saying basically that government and 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 academia and so on are placing uh, are putting what too much uh, faith in entrepreneurship, or expecting too much from it, or or promoting it too much at the at the expense of 
uh, other parts of the economy. Is that, is that what you're saying here? Or no, and, 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 uh, well, no, and what, what I'm saying is, is that, I mean, and, and what research, some of it, which, which I've done myself, but, but many other people have, have, have also done is, has shown is that there, there is actually a, a optimal level of entrepreneurship. I mean, all, if you know, for any given industry or context, there's, there's a, an optimal level of entrepreneurship that will maximize industry and economic performance at that particular point in time. And if you add more entrepreneurs on top of that, then actually it, 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 it has no effect on, on, um, on raising economic performance. And in fact, in some cases can reduce it. Equally, if, if the level is below that and you have more entrepreneurship, then you, sorry, below the optimal level, then you can enhance it. So one of the things for me that I find quite amazing is, 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 is that uh, more countries and more policymakers don't spend more time assessing where the various industries in the economy are relative to that optimal level. And actually, to give praise to Enterprise Ireland, I mean, certainly before the financial crash, I mean, they were one of the few organ the few agencies around the world who at least did that with, with one sector, because uh, in, in terms of the, you know, they, they were very clear that they weren't supporting any, any more entrepreneurs in the construction industry at that point in time, because mm. so much of the Irish economy was, 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 was uh, in construction. But um, yeah, I can, I can, I can see that. So a thing I've always wondered about, and then I'd like to turn to, to to your current entrepreneurial project, which is to build up the business school. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. I'm, I'm just curious, do you think that there are more entrepreneurs today than there were, let's say, 100 years ago or the other way around? I had always kind of lazily assumed that that uh, society was much more entrepreneurial in the past and that we've become kind of um, convinced that there are comfortable jobs to be had and that people, you know, move into the, the public sector uh, at, at far higher numbers than they used to be, that uh, and that, that firms are much bigger today than they were. Or, so, is it your view that, that that society is more entrepreneurial today than than let's say fifty or hundred years ago? Um, I think it is. Yeah, certainly the fifty fifty years ago, absolutely, mm. um, on, on on pretty much every metric. Because, so I mean, there's different types of entrepreneurship. So there's the entrepreneurship in relation to people who start their own business. But there's also, you know, corporate entrepreneurship or as used to be called intrapreneurship in, in terms of organizations. So so what's really happened over the last 30, 40 years is that markets have become much more entrepreneurial, is that there's much more entry and exit of businesses. There's much more changing in the market share and ranking order of business in the economy than there ever was uh, in, in prior periods, for example, immediately, immediately after the, the first few decades after the Second World War. Uh, and that's really changed the change, you know, the change, the, 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 the features that make business successful. So, you know, um, so in order to be successful, you, you do have to be agile, innovative, um, and, and, and hence it's, 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 it's moved the the, the um, it's, it's changed the, the the playing field in favour of, of of smaller more dynamic businesses and therefore you can see from about throughout the twentieth century there was a decline in the share of small businesses as a, a share of total output across the entire century and then in about the late sixties and and early seventies that decline started to bottom out and gradually turned around and as we move into the eighties and onwards the the share of small businesses increases and has increased quite dramatically um, since then. So, um, 
so that's been a big part. And then on the corporate side, there's, you know, and virtually most businesses now, you know, the the employees of themselves are very entrepreneurial. I mean, and so a lot of corporate entrepreneurs, people doing entrepreneurial activities, and 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 hence the, and alongside that, the growth of freelancing, uh, which is also uh, facilitated. And, and in fact, Tom, you can actually even see that see this all reflected in in business education, because if you if you go back and take a look at an MBA back in the 1960s, and what 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 business schools were training at that stage are trying to mm. they're trying to to mm. produce graduates. Who, yeah. Yes, and it usually was a man, and, wasn't and, it? And, yep. and usually was a man exactly. Yes, uh, would 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 uh, would go into industry, and and it was looking input output models always about you know uh, internal efficiency. Whereas now, you look at programs, and um, and we can come back to the women because I think that's an important thing. Uh, um, much more women on MBAs for starters, but. Um, but the 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 topics that businesses that are, are taught in these now includes, of course, entrepreneurship, but also much more outward looking um, um, subject areas like, you know, and outward in terms of market facing. So marketing, strategic management, uh, innovation uh, and so on. So it's much more about reading the, the reading the the market and under shaping it um, and developing opportunities and, and, and so on. But, but coming back to policy, though, I just just and I will I'd like to come back to the gender thing in a minute. But 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 um, just going back to policy, I I do feel that um, government policy around the world in, in often encourages the wrong type of entrepreneurship. So you know, virtually, if you, if you look at, for example, the marketing um, of entrepreneurship programs, it typically has a light bulb. Um, it's all about uh, being disruptive. It's all about coming, being the, the big, the big idea. And yet, we know from decades of research looking at entrepreneurial ventures is that the big impacts in terms of job creation, the big impacts of industry transformation, the big impacts of, of in terms of companies making huge amounts of of of, of, of value added and, and and obviously wealth then for for the, the shareholders, is. Uh, are those entrepreneurial businesses that aren't the innovators that are so in other words that if you have a consumer problem or opportunity that requires a hundred percent solution the entrepreneurs that solve the first 80 or 90 percent of that problem typically don't don't benefit from the commercialization because that last 10 percent stops the product or service from being a real success it's the companies that come in and solve the last ten percent, basically free riding, or you on the on the innovation that, that, that's already out there from the other firms, but solve the last ten percent that actually suddenly unlock the um, the the whole market value, and you can see that that immediately makes me think just, of the Apple iPod or something like that. Is that the kind of thing? Absolutely, you think and yeah. I, yeah, and again, like I mean, you think of the current pandemic. You know, you look at Skype. I mean, Skype basically, you know. Uh, spearheaded all of the all of this the the you know online platforms in terms of of uh, video conferencing etc but they but their system just wasn't at the level of of effectiveness that that people require for a conversation that has to be more or less as if the two people are in the same room and you know when you had zoom uh, and to and ms teams uh, um coming in I mean, essentially, those are the two. You know, uh, Zoom in particular, who've 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 absolutely cleaned up in that market. But they they clearly weren't the the. If you know, if you're handing out the medals for 
uh, the big innovative steps in in, in terms of the um, you know the 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 video conferencing market it, it wouldn't be to zoom it, it would be to companies that somehow have gone bust and are out of business and and some who have very small market share uh, and that's, so that's that, keeps repeating in a nutshell itself. your advice to entrepreneurs is to look for markets that are developed but but not perfect and and develop the kind of the perfect solution in part, I mean, I think the, in, in the, the, the generic thing is 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 to be aware that in, in order to have a successful business, you need to be delivering a 100% or very close to 100% solution to any consumer problem or, or opportunity. And therefore, I think in terms of when people look at the light bulb and think that's the essence of what successful entrepreneurship is, you're right. They do actually tend to look at um, you know, a, a blue ocean type of approach of looking for, to create a new market, which is usually beyond some small companies, very, very, very expensive to actually make a new market uh, to convince consumers to start doing things they've never done before. Uh, and very often the less glamorous side is, is, as you say, is looking at the markets that are already in existence and doing a, a, a small tweak that actually can can cause a huge shift in in consumer demand to to move from from one segment of the market to to another. And actually, I, I published a paper on this, believe it or not, on in in the Harvard Business Review, um, you know, basically comparing Blue Ocean strategy and and five forces, and and that, 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 that essentially, you know, that, that's that's essentially the conclusions of that article. And let's let's turn to to business schools in general before we turn to the one that. That, that you run so well, which is the Trinity Business School. But, you know, obviously that there are some people out there who think that entrepreneurship and, and business news can't be taught, that it's it's innate or at least uh, a little bit like you describe, you you grow up uh, discussing business around the, the family table and that's that's where you learn. Um, what would you say to people who, who think that? Because obviously, I'm guessing <laughs> you don't believe that. <laughs> Otherwise, you wouldn't be trying to teach it. Um, yeah. and, and I suppose there's a there's an archetype in in the public's mind that the media and, and others uh, promote quite a lot, which is the kind of the idea that people like Steve Jobs dropped out of college and and went on to found great great businesses or Bill Gates. Although in fact, uh, they, they, they 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 stayed in college really. And and I I can think of thousands of business people I've met, and most of them did go to college. And in fact. A huge number of them actually studied business. I mean, where where, where can business uh, be taught, or, or or is it innate, or is it both? It's both. I mean, I, I mean, I think the thing in in a sense. I mean, I, this is this is a, a topic that's frequently, you know, well, it used to be debated quite a bit, but essentially, you know, business education and, and education generally. Um, can play a, a a very positive role in in enhancing the performance of of, uh, of business ventures, um, but it's not the only influence, and and therefore it's 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 quite easy to find examples of where, you know, particularly university education is absent, and yet you've got a business that is successful. But what we do know from you know, as I say, a number of decades of research now is that. Um, and with a, crunching plenty of numbers and looking at, at lots and lots of companies is that um, university education uh, enhances um, the, the performance of, of, uh, of, of new ventures. And um, 
it, it, but it also actually um, it, it reduces the the uh, the number of people who do go into entrepreneurship for the simple reason that it, it, it raises their their employment prospects. But interestingly enough, um, in a piece of research I did with colleagues in in um, St Andrews um, almost two decades ago and published in in the Oxford Bulletin of Economic Statistics, we actually looked to see what the net effect of university education was on entrepreneurship and 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 found that although it reduces the number of entrepreneurs it, it enhances the performance of those who nonetheless do start their businesses uh mm-hmm. to an extent that the net effect is 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 positive so that that's 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 the the uh that's that's the research side but i think um when so you, to summarize you look at the, it, if you go to college you're less likely to be an entrepreneur than the population at large but you're more likely to be a successful entrepreneur, isn't it? I know that's yeah, that's that's that's, that's, yeah. that's that's it. That's it in a, in a, in a, in a nutshell. And um, but I think you know, and I think what most entrepreneurship programs teach people, in addition to a range of of, of skills and so on that are, are are useful for 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 business, is also the, the range of factors that tend to determine uh, entrepreneurial success. So they become aware of the. Of the limitations of the education that they're they're getting as well, um, and and what other attributes are important that they either need to bring themselves or you know or or bring or get other people in, involved in in ventures. Um, well, let's let's turn to Trinity. You know, every business school has its has a kind of an angle, has a flavour, has kind of distinctive uh, sides to it, um, because businesses. Business is like life, isn't it? You know, there's so many different kinds of people involved in business. There's so many different kinds of business, and there, there are different um, moral and ethical kind of views of, you know, what constitutes a good business. What would you, um, how would you describe the flavour of the kind of education that you and the Trinity Business School are, are trying to offer students? Well, Trinity Business School is it's a bit like. Uh, Oxford and Cambridge beforehand is that in a, in a lot of the highly research intensive universities um, and often quite highly ranked universities, um, business and business studies was kind of looked down upon as as a kind of a not quite proper uh, proper uh, academic you know uh, research and so on and and yeah yeah absolutely yeah absolutely and. Um, so, um, so, and I remember when I was, I mean, when I was in, in Oxford, there, there was no business school. I mean, I'd show my age here, but well, there was actually, there was Templeton College, but there was, um, but the, so if you're interested in business, you were in economics and, and, um, and, um, and, and that's, and, and that's the, 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 the way they, uh, but, but things, things, things changed then. And, um, the, the, uh, as I say, um, Business as a field of discipline has got a lot more respect. The um, certainly the European universities woke up to the reality that you you can't have a world class university without having a world class business school in it. In the same way as, as you need uh, top class medical schools, you need top class law schools, you, you need a top class business school. And I mean, I think the North American universities, all the household names we know, that the Harvards, the the you know the the the, the Whartons and and so on have have have, have proven that point. So I think uh, so. Trinity a, a little later than Oxford and Cambridge, um, um, 
basically set out the ambition to to transform the the the, the what was a small uh, essentially a, a department even though it was called a school in, into into a world class business school and and i think um the the benefit of the timing actually is is that it it's uh, you know what are we talking about here andrew what 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 period are we talking about the 1990s the noughties when when did um, that kind well, of shift happened in trinity I think it happened um, shortly after the financial crisis in terms right. of the, the the ambition, and I think it took about it took about seven seven years for probably two deans, the two deans prior to me, to actually gradually persuade. Well, I mean, there wasn't just them; that obviously, was coming from the mm -hmm. province, and and but but it took about 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 that, about seven years for the, the 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 broad business community at Trinity College uh, to coalesce to a view that right that we you know we we need to create a, a world-class business school here in, in in the university and that involved the the school advisory board as, as well they played a very big part in that and um and so so um yeah i mean i i i wasn't i wasn't involved in any of that i mean i was i was working over in 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 warwick and and, and cranfield while that that was all going on and and but the thing that that struck me and other Irish academics who were abroad at the time was was we looked we looked across at Ireland we we thought really the Irish business education industry as a whole was punching well below its weight because any by any per capita measure you think well, there ought to be more um, business schools doing well in in rankings and and accredited and and and, and so on and. When I was at Warwick, I, I was amazed at how fast that school had established itself. I mean, essentially in, you know, not in a great location, um, but really over a period of about 15 years, it gone from a building site into, into a, a world-class business school. And um, and then, and also for, with a very strong research ethic. And then when, when I was at Cranfield, at the, it, was, it was quite different in that it was a, a school very much focused on industry and its connections with in industry, and, and I suppose my own sense was 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 that it shouldn't be either or; it really should be the two together. Um, so, um, so then, so when this opportunity came up at uh, at uh, in Trinity, then to to uh, when you know the university was looking for somebody to head up as, as dean to 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 lead this this. Um, Transformation school. I, I was I was really keen on it for a whole range of reasons. Um, um, a, a because I, I really um, could see the potential uh, in in terms of what uh, Trinity could do in terms of getting behind a a business school project, and and also you know again but like the conversations that I had with our Irish academics abroad, you know, really thought the country needed it and Dublin needed it, um, and um, um so yeah and and um yeah so it was it, it, it it's it was it's been a, a a very exciting project so what we essentially have done then and and is first and foremost at the start of the project was to galvanize that whole community together is that um in terms of, of alumni advisory board the wider college community the students um faculty within the in the school and then uh, change and, and, and professional staff. In fact, that was the first thing we did actually was to change the, the terminology, you know, in terms of saying we're not going to call administrative staff administrative staff anymore. We're going to call professional staff because that's what they're called at other business schools because the administrative title kind of 
goes back to an era where you know it, kind of images of, of somebody ty typing typing letters for mm. people or mm. something yeah i mean mm. when you look at world-class business schools that's not what professional staff do professional staff do are working at the same level and in partnership with the academics they're managing stuff they're playing entrepreneurial roles are playing for you know executive roles all the, so so um so we changed that pulled the community together and then we decided to say okay well what type of business school so to finally get to your question i suppose what type of business school do we want to build here because um and um and the, and the the good part about it was because the school was small we were operating with a greenfield site which was which was a great luxury because very often when you get involved in projects like this you're essentially dealing with brownfield sites where you're you end up in all sorts of internal politics as you try to transform a unit or, or a bunch of a group of people who've been mm -hmm. doing one thing to mm -hmm. doing another um so essentially we've built the school on on uh, a range of of, uh, of 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 criteria i mean um the first was really to get the school moving on on the research side i mean it, it, it the not just trinity but the whole irish industry was had a very um motley style of research output in terms of people publishing all over the place whereas the rest of the the global industry had very focused on top international journals and so on so that we so we, we got that focus in place early on um big focus on on focusing on, on rigor on programs because uh, I, I certainly take the view that apart from the ethics side which i'll come on to but i think a big part of the financial crisis uh in terms of the role that business schools played i think is that they had um gone too far down the line of of edutainment and dumbing down um particularly mba style education to a point it was kind of rules of thumb and so on where people didn't really understand the analysis and the systems in which things are operating in um so i think that's been one of the key things we've been focusing on is, is, is increasing analytical rigor in the in the, in the, in the programs and then the, the school had a really strong you know, ethical dimension to it, which, you know, we decided that we, we really wanted to, to build upon. So with the Center for, for um, Social Innovation, very strong focus on on ethics um, uh, and particularly the, the, the climate emergency and so on. So those those are things we, we really have um, focused on in terms of um, Building out the ethical side, so we we now have we designed the 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 Bachelor of Global Business, which is um, which this year became the most uh, sought after um, undergraduate um, general management business degree in in the country, and and in that program we have not a, a stream but a core of ethics running all the way through the program, so students can't avoid it. They do a, a core of ethics in the first year, then it goes on to corporate social responsibility. Um, social entrepreneurship on, uh, and, and and so on and even a course on managing climate change so so ethics has been a big part we, we've decided to try to get the school to um get its own house in order so we um not just you know talk the talk as uh, uh, which i think our, our industry uh, does a lot of but more of 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 walk that talk so and how does that work uh, in practice i mean for people who don't aren't familiar with the business school which as i say is is really the most modern building on the, on the campus it's it's uh, it's kind of adorned with uh, greenery that kind of cascades down the side of the school and i think you recycle a lot of water and that kind of thing but what what, what else does that that mean at a, at a practical level Andrew? 
Well, ultimately, it's it's to I mean, it's an eco-friendly building. It's a near zero energy building. Um, so, so in terms of the amount of uh, power that it uses, recycles, as you say, recycles water from the roof um, to um, well, two green walls. I know technically one is, is, is not called a green wall. Um, should this, uh, but um, and um, yeah, so so. And on top of that, then we've 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 introduced a plastic ban in the building. Um, we don't have any disposable bottles or or, or, or cups and um, paper plastic cups. That is, um, and then um, we've adopted a veggie first uh, food policy. Um, right. So in other words, uh, if we're running a conference or as executive education, the menu defaults to a vegetarian and vegan menu unless the participants opt out opt into a a, a, a meat. Uh, um, and we've also started to offset uh, as of November last year. We we offset all the air travel for um, for the, the flights in, in in our building, and and now and now are looking to have been influencing the industry. So we've persuaded the Financial Times to remove the um, the points on the rankings for these short student trips that they that uh, so they introduce points for a kind of a one or two week overseas visit uh, as part of an international learning experience. And the, the snag with that is that every program in every business school as as is now flying its its students all over the place on what essentially is is in many cases is glorified tourism um, and uh, at huge carbon cost. So um, we've actually in, in partnership with um, a range of other business schools in Europe have lobbied the, the Financial Times, and um, uh, they are now changing that, which, which is which, which is great. And so the so the ethics and environmental agenda school is now getting recognised. We, we we got featured at the European um, uh, Foundation uh, European Foundation of Management Development Conference. Um, the AACSB accreditation agency in the US are doing a feature on the school in relation to its. Um, it's uh, it's it's um, ethics side of things, particularly in relation to the reboot and reignite program. And Amber published um, an article on um, um, on the vision uh, for for that we've laid out in terms of the future of business education, which is ultimately the need to move move towards a, a carbon neutral um, um, basis of delivery. So what I'm kind of hearing from you is that. The business school is, as you as you described, almost a greenfield site. So it's kind of an unusual thing. It's it's a very new school in many ways in in a very old university, um, and born. Oh, this renewal or renaissance was born at a time when the world was uh, in the paroxysms of the the last financial crash, and at a time where I suppose uh, concerns about the environment became mainstream. So it's kind of it, it it reflects really the two the true great worries of the of the age, uh, or at least the two great worries until the coronavirus came along, which yeah. is is kind of financial stability and 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 the ethics around that because of course so much of the uh, financial instability that, that 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 triggered the last recession was due to extremely unethical behaviour on the part of uh, mainly banks. Let's face it. Yeah. And then, mm -hmm. secondly, this this concern about whether the planet has a future is that, is that is that right? Is that the kind of in the DNA of the school? Would you say? It, it definitely is. Um, 
I think I th but I, I think this, the word sustainability can sometimes conjure up images, uh, you know, um, of of business light, so to speak. Whereas we don't see it that way. We, I mean, in our view, we see it as 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 a much more rigorous, impactful approach to business. So sustainability is is organizations have to be self-sustaining from a, a a financial point of view, but they've got to make a a, a positive difference and, and it's more challenging and uh, to 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 do that um so yeah it, it very much is 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 at, at the core of what we're um of what we're what we're about um as and in fact many of the features of the school is is reflective of of you know of where it grew up i.e trinity college dublin so i mean i think the the um you know the the strong research agenda the mm. um inclusivity is an important part as well actually in terms of our agenda so i mean i think the the tap program of the university has had a very big impact on the school i think our the view TAP is that you program know, for those who don't know that that encourages um, students from disadvantaged backgrounds and helps them to to enter the university by by giving them a leg up at the beginning sorry go ahead yes no absolutely thanks you know yes absolutely because the i mean if you look at a business education, it, 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 it indeed university education generally, it 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 opens door opens you know doors opportunities from a career perspective, um, particularly enables people to make a big impact on 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 business and society in in in, in their own life, and uh, and therefore you know I think one thing that is 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 a, is a core part of the 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 Trinity culture you know um, is a, that we we've got to be as inclusive as possible in, in terms of opening that opportunity up to as many people as possible so so certainly in 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 the school we've we've um we've got a quite a a, a i think we've got about 12 percent of the students are are um have come through um tap or dash schools um we're looking to increase that and um, so um in terms of launching a pathways to business program, um, in, in in due course, I think we will most likely uh, initiate a fundraising campaign to to fund more scholarships. Um, and but it's more it's more than just the scholarships. In fact, it, it's 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 um, again, it's 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 about that network um, and in about um, having role models and having the confidence to go forward and. And you know, in fact, even if I look back at my own life that we talked about earlier on, I mean, we always knew that we were going to navigate out of that tough situation. And the reason we knew we were going to navigate out of the tough situation, but we knew plenty of people like us who would, who had managed to do it and were doing well. So we said, well, if they can do it, we can do it. I think mm. the big trouble uh, in in you know with often students from disadvantaged backgrounds is they have reference points like that. They look around and they don't have other people who've. And, and therefore, it, it's not just the, it's not just giving the ambition and not just the financial support. It's the network that they need. So when they come onto the programs here, they they need us Trinity to open up our community. So when they need an internship, they don't you know, they don't have to rely on 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 their their family or friends who 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 may not have a a corporate internship instead. And indeed, also in terms of once they get out into the into the world afterwards and they graduate, and in terms of introductions and, and so on. So, 
So we, we've been putting together a pathways to business program that incorporates that full journey from, you know, engaging with with students at secondary school, inspiring them, providing mentorship, providing that the foundation year uh, the funding, the network and the support afterwards. And um, and so I think that in terms of the next stage of the strategy of the school, I think that's going to be a, 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 a very big part of it. Uh, that actually um, kind of brings me to my last question, really, which is you, you've you've Throughout the course of this conversation, you've kind of you've charted a like a parabola of or not a parabola, but the development of business schools from a kind of 1960s model, where, as we said, it was mainly men learning to be good corporate citizens to a kind of a more entrepreneurial model in the in the 90s and, and the noughties, where it was it was about uh, creating your own company, uh, more inclusive, especially perhaps with gender diversity. Now we're talking about um, uh, business schools with a kind of a, a stronger ethical dim dimension, perhaps thinking more about disadvantage and, and colour and so on. But what's what do you think is the next big trend? Where, where, where do you think business schools are going, and and what what what's there to look out for and to expect in the over the course of the next ten years? Say. Um. Well, first of all, let's just 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 to, to double back because we did we did we did promise to just discuss the gender side of things actually. Mm. So I think it's it's important just yet because I mean, the I mean the school that does has has been has done really well on on, on the gender front and and it it it, it would have been something we we would have sort of had to focus on if 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 things hadn't panned out differently. But I mean, when we 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 embarked on the the growth strategy, we simply said, look, we're going to hire. The best people we can um and we're going to try and get the best students we can and um you know if there's a gender issue we'll look at it and um remarkably um on both fronts um this the we've done really well on the, on the gender to the point that in economist and ft rankings when it comes to gender the balance the the school both in, on terms of students and staff ratios is in the top five in the world, and that's, that's extraordinary. Yeah, and, 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 yeah. but that's but and, and that I think it gives an extent of the problem outside because uh, it's not something that we're going around really kind of thinking that you know we've we've uh, you know, I mean it surprised us. We thought goodness. Mm. I mean we thought okay we were getting to a, a zone where it looks you know goodish or palatable, but we we never thought that. So it does indicate the the distance that needs to go and uh, needs to be uh, needs to occur else, elsewhere. But in terms of the so moving on to then the 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 challenges into the into the future, I think um, a, a number of things. I think in in the in the in the medium term, I think um, there's two things that are 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 going to happen. One, I think, is that the the um, the school and, and I think schools in general, but but certainly at Trinity Business School, we're, we're evolving from being a school into a community. Ultimately, I think people are looking for a, a lifelong connection with the school. They don't just want to come and do a degree and then become an alumnus and then uh, that sort of connection. They want to be able to come back to Trinity to upskill uh, throughout their life and mm -hmm. uh, they want to be able to engage with the community, that network and so on. So we've got to uh, uh, Recraft the structure of our programs and the type of education we're delivering, so that we can deliver to that audience that that deliver that need as as, as well, um, and and that will become that will involve more um, stacked degrees. It'll be more flexible education. What's the stacked degree, Andrew? 
A stack degree basically means that you do it over a long period of time, but you, you, right. you may start with one or two modules. And the entry point may, there may be new entry points. Um, um, so instead of everything, all the chips being based on that year between when somebody is 18 and 19, and they're everything, all the chips on the leaving cert, for example, an undergrad, you say, well, actually, maybe we'll start to break out the entry points. So we, yes, we'll still have a high proportion where new students for undergraduate programs occur at that point, but maybe we'll also have another entry point where we actually look at entrance for maybe 22 or 23, maybe you've been in the workforce for a period of time, um, and who may want to stay in the workforce as they do their undergraduate degree, but they want to do it over a longer period of time. And um, so there's, the, there's those sort of changes. There's the, uh, the distance learning program or a blended learning program. I think all our programs that even that are, are online will always have a, a in-classroom dimension at Trinity. And we've invested hugely now in, the, in, the, in a, a huge, uh, we have to decide the name for it, but uh, it's kind of like a Star Trek uh, <laughs> lecture room at, at the top of the, of, the, of, the, of, of the new building, which um, can bring 60 people in from around the world, a camera that follows the lecturer around, a, a super learning environment. So that's going to be one big part of it. The other part is, or I think, more transformative for the industry itself. We at Trinity have come to the conclusion that research centres in business schools aren't working in general. And the reason that we think they're not working is that they, they have the research expertise from the academic side only. And hence, the research topics that our research centers do don't resonate with industry, don't even resonate with policy. Very often, good and topics that are of only interest to the researchers themselves. And um, we at Trinity have an amazing community. And what we want, what we're going to do is we're going to set up a a number of of centers that are drawing on both industry expertise and uh, research expertise. So we we will have. Um, adjunct professors from industry um, and um, so that's something that I, I will be talking about more in, in the next um, eight months and when hopefully we'll have some interesting announcements to make in, in, in that area but I think that's going to transform the um, I think that you'll find more schools doing this I think the the you'll have um, they may not be called centers they may be just maybe clusters of expertise but this essentially essentially they will be a much stronger connection between industry and the um, industry expertise that is, and and the and the research expertise, and putting that together is 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 is, is quite key because in so many areas of business now the expertise in industry is 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 is, is, is sometimes even greater than the expertise in 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 the in the in the university. So, so it's important that we we um we get that blend, and then moving into the future. Um, with remote working and remote learning, uh, I, I think and this is, you know, um, um, not something in our immediate future, but if you ask me what will business schools, what will universities look like in, say, 15 or 20 years time, uh, I think the, the situation we have at the moment where every university has a very large faculty and the faculty are all engaged in teaching will, will, will probably change. I think um, I think there will be a very big business shakeout in the or industry shakeout in, in the university uh, sector because more education will move online. And I think um, you'll find that the bigger, stronger brands in the industry will essentially trade some of their courses. So you'll find 
So, on, you know, I don't want to name names, but you you know, you, you'd find that a, a, in cases where students may have gone to a mid-ranking university or, or, or even a very low-ranked university and been taught by the lecturer from that university, they may go to that university and the court course that they, they, they learn is actually one is, is the online course from a, a, a well-established brand and therefore what really happens at the local university level is is where there's more teaching assistance so we, we so i think there's going to be a a a, a quite a big um shakeout in the in the industry and um and i think There'll be there'll be there will be the advent of the the superstar academics and um, the third that that um in the same way that that has emerged in other industries where where sort of winner takes all type of scenarios um occur it won't be a complete winner takes all because it's not in the nature of it's not in in anyone's interest we still need the diversity and breadth of research and expertise across the university sector but i do think that it'll be a a smaller number of much larger universities and indeed much larger business schools um, serving the certainly the top end of the top end of the market. And I think I in that regard, know whether we should be appalled by that prospect or whether we should. Well, I think, it. But, I think uh, like many I've, trends, it's yeah, probably I, coming, isn't it, one way or the other? It is. And I, I think we're well positioned. So I think Trinity is well positioned to uh, be on the on the plus side of that process. Um, um, and I think, um, but certainly, I think the international alliances are, are going to be absolutely key in the, in that new environment. And I think you'll find a lot of partnerships in terms of of uh, of, of uh, in terms of degrees and, and so on. But, well, um, I think that brings brings our brings our brings our conversation to a close with a kind of a, <laughs> a pretty a bit of daring uh, uh, crystal ball gazing. Um, Andrew Burke. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, I, I, I know uh, you've been too modest to mention it, that you've been doing a fantastic job uh, with the business school and it's been winning winning many, many accolades. But it was really interesting to, to think about that journey from from an antique shop in, in South Dublin <laughs> all the way to, to an internationally successful business well, school. I, I, and I'd also like to well, thank... I'd uh, love to be able to... Sorry. I was going to say I would love to be able to take all the credit for that. No, but I, I think the key to the success of business school is, is in fact, as I say, the community and the team that that uh, you know, everyone that got behind this, the the vision and, and and made it a reality. And I think uh, it's that entrepreneurial uh, entrepreneurs right through the organisation. I think is as um, and indeed in the communities as as has made it happen. So. I don't want to don't want to steal the credit that they 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 all deserve. Not at all. So there's always a, a team a team team effort. And thank you to Katie Byrne who, as always, produced this podcast. Thanks very much. <laughs>